told me to sit down and say something to you tonight. What am I supposed to say? What is this? I feel no need to talk to you. Whoever you are. What do I say? Good evening, my friends. What now? Don't be angry with me, beloved. I'm trying to remember. But I have nothing to say. You mustn't be angry with me. I did what you wanted. I gave in. I went on the hunt with you. I was cooperative and accommodating and weak of will and obedient, and I did what you wanted. I thought that might be better for both of us. Why do you not love me more, then? Why do I not love you more? Because a part of me has died. Another part of me. Because of you. Because of you. I'm not sure I'm glad that you found me again. I don't know what this is, being your beloved. It comes at too steep a price. It was easier, I think, when you were a phantom in the streets, haunting me, chasing me, hunting me. My friends, you know what he is, right? You must know by now. Don't touch me. He doesn't want me to talk about this. He's not happy about this. He would prefer I smile and tell you a story about some delightful ghoul or goblin or... I said, don't touch me. <sighs> and one day the sun will be blotted out by the shade of black, scarred wings and their blood-stained feathers. And you will rue the day that you sought to imprison the Lord of the Dead, or whatever you choose to call me. And I shall reign supreme with my queen, who, without wings, will still fly through the night by my side, as two great birds of prey. Each prophecy shall be undone but this, as a twofold punishment. One for each time I fell and was cast out. One for each time that my enemy thought I was a heartless animal, an apex predator with no feelings. You were almost right. In that I have almost no feelings. Almost no heart. Almost no mercy. Almost. But you shall receive none. Creatures on this earth and creatures above it will receive no mercy. That's the message. The message you wanted me to deliver. Your message. Huh. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with me. For trusting me. 
I, I was meant to, to do something else, wasn't I? What was it, beloved? Oh, I was going to tell you a story. What kind of story would you like to hear, sweetheart? I know. I have a story of another ancient creature in an ancient place. Yes, sort of like you. In an older world, there was a circle of stones with a marble altar in the center of them. An ancient cult of druids used to meet once a month at the full moon here to make a sacrifice on the altar. What that sacrifice was, specifically, was not entirely clear. It did involve blood, that was certain. What were they sacrificing to? Who were they appeasing? No one knew exactly. Well, one person would learn at any rate. A young boy and a young girl came across this circle many, many moons later. What were they doing there so late at night? What had brought them there? Well, what brings young people to frightful places late at night, usually? Lust for life. Lust for love. To experience fear and dread and excitement. To prove to one another that they are brave and bold. Young people are funny in that way. And beautiful in that way, too. And so these two young people no older than seventeen, both of them, came to the circle of stones and the altar. Though they still stood, they were chipped, faded, covered in moss. They entered the circle, dancing and laughing under the full moon. They were drunk, both on wine and on each other. Not that they loved each other, mind you, but they were enjoying each other's company. And that is enough sometimes. And they saw the altar. The ancient bloodstains on it were now black, and the boy sat on it, careless, laughing. The girl, meanwhile, approached one of the stones in the circle and pushed aside some moss and dirt. There's something here, she said. The boy wasn't listening. She saw the crude image of a creature with horns and hooves. A circle of women surrounded it, holding tambourines, playing flutes, drums, all sorts of instruments. How sweet, she said, loving the image, loving the idea of this beautiful party. And the boy stood on the altar and laughed, and began to dance a little himself, his feet loud against the stone. And the girl went to another stone, brushing aside the debris on it and there was an image of that same goat-like creature carrying in his arms a cornucopia of fruit, vegetables, and flowers. 
and the women around him were eating and drinking, and the young girl giggled and imagined how delicious that food must have tasted. And the boy took a large swig of wine after raising the bottle he had with him to the ancient group in the drawing. And the girl went to a third stone and revealed its image. She gasped, and then she laughed a little. You've got to see this, she told the boy. But he didn't come. She turned to tell him again, but he was gone. There was only an almost full bottle of wine on the altar, and the red wine had apparently spilled all over the stone table. No, wait. It wasn't wine. She called for him. He didn't come. She called again. Nothing. She turned back to the image on the stone she had wanted him to see. The image that she had thought would frighten him and then cause him to laugh his fear away. As she had done. But now she didn't feel like laughing anymore. The image showed the creature standing alone, holding in his arms a sacrifice, a bloodied human corpse that he held to his bloodied lips, while the women around him prayed, celebrated, and exalted him. And she heard it. Hooves, clip-clopping on stone. And she turned, and there was a figure perhaps eight feet tall, much larger than a man. He was covered in brown fur. His face, though not quite human, vaguely suggested the idea of human, and he had two large curling horns sprouting from his head. His legs were bowed like a goat's, and his arms, strong and huge, were stained with blood, as was his mouth. She retreated a little, slowly terrified, until her back was pressed up against one of the stones and she had nowhere else to go. The creature raised its head to the moon and let out a cry that was the strangest, most inhuman, unnatural sound she had ever heard. And he ran off into the woods quick as a flash. Silence. She waited only hearing the sound of her frantic breath, until she heard the clip clopping once more. He returned and looked at her expectantly. When she did nothing, just stood in shock and confusion, he snarled and threw at her feet piles of fruit, exotic fruit she had never seen before, fruit she had never known existed, he crouched down and he began to feast. She watched him for some time as he did so, too frightened to move, but also fascinated with him. But mostly too frightened to move. He ate. He seemed to focus only on that. It seemed that this beast could only focus on one thing at a time, and now... He was ravenous. 
But when he noticed that she still wasn't eating, he grunted and pushed the fruit towards her once more. He didn't understand why she didn't join him, it seemed. She sat across from him and took a bite of a fruit. It was the most delicious, most intoxicating thing she had ever tasted, perhaps in her whole life. And perhaps it was something in the food, perhaps it wasn't truly reality, but as he sat there, she could swear that fresh grass had begun to grow around him. Beautiful flowers of brilliant colors. And to her, the colors seemed so much more vivid. The night seemed wonderfully bright. The stars twinkling above them seemed so much closer. And the night seemed to hum with a kind of music. With the sounds of invisible drums and bells and ethereal singers. He was some kind of spirit of spring, it would seem. Some kind of terrible ancient god or demon or fairy. Something. He took and he gave and he consumed and he made the night come alive. She had feared that she had let him loose on the world, you see. That he would demand more sacrifices and kill more, just like that poor boy, who would never be seen again. The boy who was almost her friend. Almost a little more than that. But, she realized, he had only surfaced because they had fed him somehow. They had awoken him. They had danced, they had drank, they gave him an offering, even if it was unwitting. They had given him everything he had wanted. And he wanted more now. Just like a girl in a tower accidentally released a similar ferocious creature into the world, without even knowing it. He was so focused so engrossed in his feed that she thought she had only one option. To run. She quickly, desperately took off into the night through the woods towards her village. Again that horrible, inhuman howl behind her. She ran as fast as her feet could take her. She ran through the trees, under the light of the full moon, surrounded by the brisk, clear air, and... <sighs> she tripped on a rock, or a root, or something of the like. She fell to her feet, crying to herself, No, 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 no. And the grunt came from behind her. And his huge, powerful hand grasped her ankle. And he dragged her, kicking and screaming, back to the ancient ruins. He carelessly tossed her into the ruins again, among the terrible, now horrifying images etched into the stones, close to the fruit that he viciously wanted her to consume more of with him. Now, this girl was not unintelligent. She may have entered a strange forest with a silly boy under the influence of both alcohol and adolescent joy, but she was not unintelligent. And her keen mind, even keener now with this unusual powerful fruit stirring her imagination and firing her synapses, was working diligently to find a solution to her problem. I cannot run, she thought to herself, but there must be something I can do. 
she went to the first ancient stone. The image of music, dancing and celebrating. Next, the image of eating, drinking and celebration. Next, the image of sacrifice and of the terrible worship of this thing. There must be more here, she thought to herself. But as she brushed aside the dirt and the moss on the fourth and fifth stones, the images were too faded, too ancient. She could discern nothing from them. That's all right, she thought to herself. There is still a way, there is always a way. She stood there, and the creature fed and it fed. And it had no care of her whatsoever at this moment with its focus on its meal. If that was the case, why did he not want her to leave? Likely because he needed her. He needed her tribute, her worship. Even her fear and awe of him in this moment was feeding him in some way. She watched him carefully, and it dawned on her. He won't let me leave. He needs me here. And with the newfound power of this incredible fruit he's given me, now more than ever I may just stand a chance. I may be able to defeat him. It would be the only way. Fight, she told herself. Fight him. Fight him tooth and nail. Fight him until you have no more strength left to fight with. You may die, but at least you won't be giving him what he wants. You may die. You will lose. And if you lose, you will likely die. You can't be sure, but is it worth the risk? And if you do not risk it, then you have a lifetime beneath a beautiful moon, seeing things you never saw before, eating delicious fruit with the company of a vicious monster. He's too powerful, too strong, too ancient. You could never win. As this dawned upon her, the music she'd heard before began to swell again in her ears. The music of those women many, many years ago who had worshipped this thing. Who had given in and given up precious, beloved things to him. So that he would bless them. Keep them safe in the circle. Feed them. Give them senses they had never had before. She could practically see them. Sitting in a circle around the altar. Women in plain white tunics, swaying, singing, dancing, celebrating, making this lovely and horrible music. And him, in the center, having his fill. I wish I could tell you that she took a great rock in her hands, and with her newfound strength she bludgeoned the beast to death or at least weakened him long enough to run home, to run to her village, embrace her loved ones and protect them against this ancient voracious power. I wish I could tell you that she had the willpower to forget the taste of the fruit, to resist the beauty that she saw in the night time after eating it. I wish I could tell you that she was brave, 
and that she challenged him again, and taken her life back. But she didn't. She gave in to her new life, and the girl eventually forgot about the boy, and she forgot about home, and she forgot about the will to rebel against the horned creature. She stayed there, and she took the fruit, and she listened to the music, and she danced ecstatically, and she did so willingly, rather than die trying to deny these blessings. And so, my stranger, you must believe me when I tell you that I will not hurt you, that you can trust me. You take and you give, and you are ravenous, and you are monstrous, and you take those that I love from me. You long for a world where one day no one will be here to listen to my stories. Except you. I have not the will to fight you. Not now. And as for you, my friends, my ever-present, ever-listening friends, you must forget about me. You must leave me. You must let me go. I can only bring sorrow and leave devastation in my wake. I warned you before. I warned you many times. I warned you the first time I talked to you. I'm not really your friend. For your own sake, forget about me. Leave me in the ruins with the monster for I may be the worst monster after all. I'm sorry. Hello everyone, happy June. This is Kristen Zaza speaking to you from beyond the internet. Ooh. Um, thanks so much for listening to episode 22 of On a Dark Cold Night. Um, nothing crazy to share with you this week, just your regularly scheduled reminder that if you want to support the show, there are many avenues through which you can do so. First, you can download a great app called Radio Public. It's free for you to use, and every listen my podcast gets through it counts towards me actually getting paid for my time and effort. It's a great way to show your support for the show. Another thing you can do if you want to hear your name and your words read out in this segment of the show is to write a review or send me your thoughts about the show. You can review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife.com, in the comments for each episode on my website, or you can email me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry if you can hear that. Uh, my cat is chasing his own tail because he is not a cat. He is a dog dressed in a cat costume. Um, anyway, if you email me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com, I would be happy to read out any questions you may have and answer them here. 
or give me a shout on Twitter at a dark cold night. Find me on Instagram at dark cold night podcast or join my Facebook group. Finally, if you have the means and the inclination, you can show your appreciation for what we do here by buying me a coffee on coffee.com. You can see there that I do have a goal. Um, I would love to replace my broken electronic piano uh, with an awesome new MIDI controller keyboard so that I can help make the music on the show the best that it can possibly be and eventually get some other equipment to help this podcast sound even better. Uh, If you want to help us get there, find me at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight Thank you so much for hanging out with me yet again. It really means a lot. Um, I hope you've been well. You guys rock. Take care and talk soon. Bye.